You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to another edition of The Other Connor Podcast. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. And big shout-out to our sponsors, the Hockey Podcast Network, of course, and DraftKings. It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year, and the golfers are in Augusta, Georgia, to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land in the green This week, DraftKings is giving you a free shot at the $1 million top prize when you download and sign up using promo code THPN. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. It's easy to play. Pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning, then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course with the pros, DraftKings is giving you a chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN during sign-in. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at the $1 million top prize. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize only at DraftKings, a minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And for the Edmonton Oilers, an interesting week. Of course, they played the Montreal Canadiens last week. They come back home, a game against the Calgary Flames in which they win, and then they fly right back to Montreal for a game on Monday night. And it did not go the way that Oilers fans and the Oilers team, for that matter, would have liked. Uh, they get into a one nothing lead after 20 minutes. They would go on to make it 2 nothing, But that is kind of where the wheels fell off for the Oilers. Darnell Nurse and Caleb Jones with some costly errors that led to pucks being in the back of the net for the Montreal Canadiens. Tied it up at two apiece. That game does go to overtime where the newest member of the Montreal Canadiens, Eric Stahl, scores the winner. And probably not surprising, if you're a fan of the Edmonton Oilers, you know that guys tend to score their first goal with a new team against the Oilers, or if they're slumping, they might do it, or it might be their first ever career goal. just seems to be the way it works for the Edmonton Oilers, but they lose to the Montreal Canadiens, and with that, they turn their attention ahead to the Ottawa Senators. Just a quick little update for you, in case you missed it, the NHL obviously dealing with some schedule changes after the Vancouver Canucks have COVID just wreaking havoc on their locker room. We hope they're doing all okay, and Uh, Hopefully they contain that spread, but the Oilers having a few games added to the schedule on Thursday, they will take on the Ottawa Senators once again, and then on Saturday they'll be taking on the Calgary Flames, a night they were supposed to have off, now they have a game, obviously the NHL trying to clear up some space for down the road where we know they will be having to have all these makeup games, so the Edmonton Oilers getting into the action a little bit more here, it's back-to-back against the Ottawa Senators on Wednesday and Thursday Wednesday, a 3 o'clock start. So for the people that are working their 9 to 5, I apologize. You might have to miss part of this one. Maybe maybe just set up that PVR, and then on Thursday they meet again at 5 o'clock. Another tough one, but not quite as tough. And for the Edmonton Oilers, that might be what they need. They've had a lot of success. They're undefeated against the Ottawa Senators so far this year, coming off a tough loss against the Montreal Canadiens. Maybe a chance for McDavid and Dryside will have a point night or two and get their swagger back, but uh, definitely it'll be a little bit tougher, a little bit more work for the Edmonton Oilers in the next few days here. And uh, that's just the 2021 NHL season. Not much you can do. 
Just got to go out there and play those games. But at least for the Edmonton Oilers, a chance to look forward to something where they know they've had success and hopefully they can improve on that going forward. We will talk to Ross Levitan of TSN 1050. He is also the host of the Locked On Senators podcast and on Twitter at Ross Levitan. We'll talk to him later on to set those games up and just talk about the Ottawa Senators. Obviously, going into this season, there was not a lot of optimism, I think, knowing that you're going to be a bottom feeder makes it easy for a couple of years, but they've had some pretty impressive performances, some guys standing out that look pretty good. So we'll talk to Ross later on in the show, see how they plan to slow down Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Edmonton Oilers and potentially pick up their first win against the club this week. We're also going to talk to Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. You can give him a follow as well at the Fantasy Grind and... uh of course, the Masters coming up, so we'll get some advice on the Masters and uh, maybe introduce some people to DraftKings Golf. It sounds pretty fun. I've never indulged in it, but I might go for it this week and see how I do. If you are going to sign up, make sure you use the promo code THPN. That is my advice. We'll bring Jeffrey on to give you the advice that you really care about. But we're going to start things off here with Alan Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide. Of course, on TSN 1260, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until noon. You can also read his work at The Athletic, Al, we bring you on for some instant reaction on Monday night, immediately following the Oilers' 3-2 loss in overtime to the Montreal Canadiens. Appreciate you doing this. How are you doing tonight? Uh, good, good. It's beautiful. It's spring. I'm, I'm happy. Me too. You and I are taping this immediately following the game on Monday night at 7.40, and the studio is blinding. That's a good sign. That is a very good sign for us here. We're getting closer. And uh, some summer hockey coming up. How... You, I mean, you remember summer hockey because that means the Oilers were playing late into the playoffs uh, this year. They don't even really need to, and we're still going to get it. How awesome is that? You know, it's funny because I remember uh, being at so many events on like a Friday night or a Saturday night in Edmonton, and you were, you know, wherever you were, and the hockey game was on. And no matter what it was, whether it was an auction or uh, an evening or, or a very formal evening, you had to update the score. If you were the MC, which I often was, you had to say, by the way, it's 3-2 Edmonton, and then people would cheer. Uh, <laughs> even though they were going on their regular lives, they definitely wanted to know how the owners were doing in the playoffs. And hopefully, well, I mean, definitely we'll get there. I don't know if you'll be out at events or anything. I, I, I doubt that happens. But Oilers being in the playoffs would certainly be a very much needed distraction. Uh, Al, the Oilers lose a Monday night to the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, Eric Stahl, first game with the Canadiens. He's going to get the game winner. Uh, they were up 2 nothing though, and then a couple lapses in their own end. Darnell Nurse and... Uh, Caleb Jones, uh, what, what happened overall? I mean, w- was there a point where you thought, okay, momentum is shifting here and the Canadians might get back into this one? Well, I, I thought the, the first period, Montreal had the edge for most of the period, and then Edmonton started to push back a little, got a goal. Uh, nice nice play by Cara to Shore. And the second period, I thought the owners were, were the better team. Third period started out sort of tentative, and then Montreal took over and they scored those two goals. After that, it was fairly even, but I never uh, I never got the, the feeling that Edmonton's best players were at their best, and you got to give credit to, Edmund, or to Montreal in that case. They Their guys were playing well against Edmonton's best players, and that was, in a lot of ways, the difference in the game. It, I mean, this isn't a, a first for anything. We saw when the two teams met last week, the Oilers lost 4 nothing. What do you think they do so well to, I guess, minimize what Dreisaitl and McDavid are able to do? 
Well, there's two things. Number one, they they have, uh, you know, Shea Weber is not a fast guy, but he's a big, strong guy, uh, and and he gets away with a lot because he's a veteran, so he can neutralize Connor McDavid down low. And and they also had the the. Um, uh, Deno line with Tatar uh, playing against them a lot, and then Stahl played uh, against the, the the McDavid line a lot too. So they had two lines they felt they could go to who were strong defensively, and and they don't give a lot of clean air to McDavid or to Leon Draisaitl. They're they're a good solid checking team. That was a playoff game tonight. Montreal's already in playoff mode, and that will bode well for them. They don't have the talent Edmonton does, but man, they are absolutely all buying in to uh, what the coach is selling, and they're 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 strong uh, defensive two way team and they'll be a tough out for whoever gets them. Now I, I know you're on social media during the games. I am as well. I saw a lot of people upset with a couple missed calls. Uh, two stand out on Darnell Nurse. I thought there was a trip at the third period. Uh, there was another one where I mean he was just manhandled. Do you, do you look at the refs and say hey there's probably some calls they should have made or, or is that loser talk? Well, I, I think the owners are an up-and-coming team. They're a young team. They they still don't get as many calls as you would like them to. Uh, Montreal's a more veteran group and veteran teams. Like a guy like Shea Weber, he's going to get calls all day long, and that's just the nature of the beast. When Darnell Nurse is Shea Weber's age, he'll get a lot of calls too. That's 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 how it works. Speaking of Darnell Nurse, now I know some people were on him for the second goal, uh, kind of mishandled the pass from Mike Smith, and whenever it leads to a goal, obviously he's going to be brought up for it. But I mean, the guy's been playing some unbelievable hockey right now, and I don't know if I thought he could be this good. Did you see him getting to this level, and do you think he can maintain this going forward? I, I, I knew that there was another level that, that needed to be reached in order for him to justify where they took him. They took him number eight. And when you're, when you're taking a player that high, he has to be able to deliver at you know, both ends of the ice and play a strong game. And Nurse had a strange start to his career. He, he was, as a rookie, he played tough minutes with Sekera because of injury. And I think because of that rookie year, a lot of uh, fans view him as a, a mistake-prone turnover machine. And he really isn't that. He has improved his game from that rookie year, and he reached a level after about three years that was pretty rock solid. But he's gone to a different level. This is a different uh, Darnell Nurse now. And and I at this point, you know, people are talking about Norris Olympics. I I don't know. I don't vote for any of that stuff. But I will tell you, uh, this is the best I've seen an Oiler defenseman play in a long time. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of it comes with the benefit of playing with Tyson Berry, and that helps out a lot. Uh, you kind of touched on it there. There's talk about the Olympics in 2022, and, I mean, he he would, in theory, be playing with somebody probably even better than Tyson Berry. Do you think he's got a shot and, uh, I mean, a realistic shot of being on that team? Yeah, I do. The, the It seems as though it goes in in uh, cycles, and right now there's a lot of good right-handed defensemen who would be eligible for Team Canada. The, the lefty group is strong, uh, but it's not so strong that Nurse can't be uh, included, at least in the conversation. And, and, you know, he said Darnell Nurse has a lot of things that would make him an attractive uh, player on the roster. He can play the offensive side, he can move the puck, he can play the tough minutes, he can penalty kill. There's a lot to like about what he can do because he can do just about everything. Al, I know on Friday you had an article uh, titled The Oilers' Big Decision on Defense, Caleb Jones or William Legison, and that's up at The Athletic. I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, 
Caleb Jones was involved on the first goal. Um, what are your thoughts on Caleb Jones? And I guess going forward, assuming, you know, let's look at to next year. Everything plays out the same. Uh, let's say we're still a little bit unsure on Oscar Kleffbaum. What do you think Jones' role would be on this team? Well, he, he's got to get there first. He played uh, under 12 minutes tonight, and and he you know he spent quite a bit of time uh, you know sitting. And that's you know Bear was on the ice with another partner. That tells you what the coach thought of the goal against. And Jones has all of the. Um, What's the word? He's got all the tools, and but he has to put them together. You know, William Lagesson doesn't come close in terms of natural talent, but but Lagesson has is a calmer player, a better defensive player, and that that always means a lot to a coach. So I think in order for for Jones to play anywhere in the NHL, he just has to play enough to get experience, and then maybe you know uh, have the game calm down for him or slow down for him a little bit. He's a very very good young hockey player. But the mistakes that he's making are often ending up in the back of the net, and coaches do notice that stuff. Now, I'm going to pump up your your athletic page just a little bit more. And you know what? I actually I thought you went by low tide on the athletics. When I was searching you, I couldn't find you. And I was going to ask you, like, how cool it would be if you're just a one-name person on the athletic. But if people are looking for your stuff, make sure you do search Alan Mitchell. Uh, yesterday, you released an article, uh, Evan Bouchard's season of inactivity. What is the risk for the Edmonton Oilers? And this is the debate that I've heard a lot on the Jason Greger show with Rashog and Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick as well. Do you think him being here and not playing is going to be hurting his development long term? No, I, I think if if he... People say, you know, he doesn't play at all. Well, that's not true. He did play 12 games, uh, and he'll play here as the, the season winds down a little bit more. But he also played over in Sweden this year. You know, when we talk about a prospect missing a year or, or you know, not having, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, having a lost year and not having the ability to, to develop during that year, we're talking about, like, playing one or two games. Well, he played, I think, almost 30 in the Osvenskan, which is the Swedish Elite League. Played another 12 over here. Is practicing every day. He, he probably is picking up a few things from Tyson Berry. It may benefit him long term. Now they got to play him. They have to play him before the end of the year because I think he played one game in March and we're in April now. But all of that said, I, I think that that Evan Bouchard has shown he can play. There is, you know, there's a chance there'll be an injury. He might be an everyday player here in the next week. We don't know. And uh, I think in this one strange COVID year that the risk was uh, more than worth it. I think Ken Holland put himself in a good spot because he had the young man play over in uh, Sweden to start the year. So really he was going to have played a little bit anyway, no matter what happened when the NHL season resumed. So uh, I don't think it'll hurt him at all, to be honest with you. So let's just say Dave Tippett gives you a call or you know slides into your DMs on Twitter and says, Low Tide, I need the perfect defensive pairings for this team going forward. We're getting into the playoff stretch. What do you think? What do you like? What would your answer be? Uh, among the people that are on the team now? Yes, yes. Uh, I think the top pairing, I, I, I know why he doesn't do it, but I think the top pairing of Nurse and Bear, which is what they did a year ago, uh, is the best available. I love Tyson Berry's offense, but I think he, it, it leads up to a little bit of chaos defensively. And as good as Darnell Nurse is, I, I think uh, a more uh, structured partner like Bear works well for him. So that would be the... And, and I, I notice he checks down to it sometimes. He also checks down to Larson... Uh, with Nurse sometimes, but there have been a few times that Bear gets on the ice with Nurse, and and you know they're both good passers. They can both transport and they can both defend. 
Nurse helps Bear because he's bigger and stronger, so he can handle that side of it. And uh, Bear uh, helps Nurse because he's so consistent he can be counted on. What have you made of Mike Smith as of late? And I, I know we talk a lot about in the past, or have talked about it in the past, that you know he's a streaky goaltender, and when he's on, he's going to be very good. But there might be times where he goes through a little bit of a struggle. Kevin Woodley has been on the Jason Greger show and said that he's he's cleaned up certain aspects of his game. So when you take a look at him right now, are you confident in his ability to be the clear-cut number one goalie, or do you still have some concerns that perhaps maybe some of the sloppy play could creep back in? I mean, I'm sure he'd love that goal back from uh, Mark Stahl that he let in in overtime. Yeah, that, that kind of goal happens. I know people get mad about it, but it was a, a goal from distance, and, and it just beat him, and it shouldn't have, but it did. Um, he, uh, in, in, in February, uh, he, was, he played eight games, and he had a 934 save percentage. In, in March, he played in 10 games, and he had a, t- a 907 save percentage. Uh, 915 is what you would consider to be average. So he, well, maybe 912 or 913, but he's, he was way above average in February, a little below average in March, and this, this month I think he's a little above average again. What, what's happened to Mike Smith this year, and Mr. Woodley probably is, has a better eye on it than I do, because I, all I know is the stats. The stats say that he doesn't have, his lows aren't as low as in the past, and his high are still pretty high. So if you look at it like a, uh, um, you know, uh, the, 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 he's cut off the the lowest level of performance. Like say if in ten outing in, in ten outings, say he had uh, two bad outings. Now he only has one. It, that seems to be the case. He's more consistent. He has fewer games where he is the res, he is the big part of the result. And because of that, he's been gold for the Oilers. And I'm just not going to be critical of anyone because I just called Eric Stahl. Mark Stahl. So, I didn't even notice. That. Wow. <laughs> you know, if you say things confidently enough, I feel like you can yeah. get away with it. But <laughs> I'm going to own up to it. That was a swing and a miss by me. Uh, Al, of course, the game tomorrow, or I mean on Wednesday, this release Tuesday, doing the math my head. So Wednesday and Thursday, two games against the Ottawa Senators. Is this what the doctor ordered for the Edmonton Oilers? I think it is. You can play both your goaltenders. I, I'm hopeful that the coach uh, gives a rest to, to some of his veterans. There's no reason to keep uh, Evan Bouchard out of the lineup. They're, they're, you know, they're probably going to get points in that. You could play them both nights if you wanted, but certainly one night you play them. Uh, there's some other guys who probably could use uh, some games, and this is an opportunity to rest some players. Uh, I think Tyson Berry has been a little banged up. Uh, Larson has always got some kind of a, uh, a problem physically by this time in the year. So it's a chance to maybe rest some of your your uh, workhorse players. Obviously, McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nuge would be out there. Uh, they're still young men, but I, I think this would be an opportunity to, to bring Bouchard in and uh, uh, a few others on the roster to kind of uh, give, give the other uh, players a rest here because there's a lot of games in a very short period. They've added a Calgary game on Saturday night, so this week is even busier than, than normally than we thought it was going to be. So this is a time to rest some of the veterans. Now, do you like the three o'clock Mountain Time start? I, I actually I hate it. Uh, <laughs> I'd be okay on Saturday, but uh, what day is the three o'clock time? That's uh, Wednesday. Yeah, that's that's no good for me. That's no good for low tide. I would be, I wouldn't be sleeping or anything, but when the game's over, I'll probably start yawning and getting tired. I, I might be in bed by six. 
So are you more on board for Thursday's 5 o'clock start then? Oh, yeah, that's fine. 5 o'clock is <laughs> good because I always write a post game uh, for the blog, and, and that usually takes an hour or so. So I can get that done by 9, and then I can you know, have my prune juice and get my <laughs> Winnie the Pooh pajamas on and pretty much ready for sleep by then. Low Tide, appreciate you doing this, breaking down the Oilers. Now, before I go, let you go here, I, I try to only have you on once a month. I don't know if you noticed that, but once a calendar month I get you on. So I won't have you on again until May. That means uh, we're not going to be able to break down the NFL draft, and I have to ask you, where do the Philadelphia Eagles go in the first round? Uh, you're not going quarterback, are you? No. I think it'll be... Uh, I think it'll be wide receiver. I'd be okay if it was a DB, because they're really bad back there. And uh, they're... Almost anywhere they go, like there, there's a there's a rush end who's pretty good, but I, I think it'll be a wideout. They need a they need a wide receiver, and and I think they'll get one. I think that would be a good move. I, I don't want to bring it up, but I know in the last two drafts they've passed on DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson and took receivers ahead of them. So yeah, they've they've been. I don't know how he Roseman survives, but he's done a hell of a job surviving, <laughs> if nothing else. you got to respect that about him. Al, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you next month, I promise. All right. Sounds good, man. <laughs> Excellent stuff from Alan Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide, of course. Read him at The Athletic as well. And uh, I like to have Alan Mitchell on once a month just to bring that positivity. Even coming off a loss, I think he's... Sh- Put out some good stuff there. Let us know that things might be okay for the Edmonton Oilers. Good things coming. And uh, for his Philadelphia Eagles, I think I might go offensive line. I don't know why. Maybe go offensive line. Maybe get a pass rusher. But we'll have to see what happens in the next few days here. Maybe they make a trade. Maybe something else happens. We'll find out later on in the month. But let's get back to hockey. Let's talk about daily fantasy sports. We, of course, always have Jeffrey Ulrich on our Tuesday edition of the Other Connor Podcast to give you guys some good advice The one piece of advice that I always tell you guys, make sure you use THPN when you sign in. That's the promo code. Do it, trust me, and then have a lot of fun. And now we'll bring in Jeffrey Ulrich, who can actually help you win. He's from DraftKings Nation. You can also give him a follow on Twitter, at the Fantasy Grind, where he will answer your questions. Just tell him I sent you. Jeffrey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me back. Yeah, I'm glad we could get you on again to talk about the world of daily fantasy sports. And, uh, of course, the big news right now in the hockey world, what's going on with the Vancouver Canucks. And, obviously, first things first, we do hope they're all doing okay, and hopefully the spread has been contained and, you know, not being passed on to their friends and family. But just another reminder to keep your finger on the pulse when it comes to daily fantasy sports because these things can happen and they can affect your roster. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Oilers getting games canceled and, and stuff like that, and the Canucks. Um, you know, you, you've got to keep an eye on the news every night, obviously, um, and and then what's going on, and, and this will just obviously also uh, affect changes for season long as well. So, yeah, definitely. You know, um, if, if you're playing fantasy sports. The more attention you pay to things, generally, uh, the more it'll pay off in the long run. And anyone who's played a little bit of fantasy sports knows this already. I just think we got to reiterate that that Jack Eichel instance still haunts me to this day. I, I lost a little bit of money because I started him when he was a scratch. So I like to just reiterate and let people know. Now, Edmonton Oilers, as of late, uh, playing some up-and-down hockey. Of course, they played the Montreal Canadiens on a Monday evening. Uh, going forward, though, a couple games against the Ottawa Senators coming up. Who do you like in the Oilers lineup? Yeah, no, I mean, whenever the Senators have been on uh, on the slate this year, it's generally led to some massive games uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. So, you know, and again, you know, the Sens having a, a weak kind of lineup, uh, it, it depends a little bit on what the Oilers are going to do with their lineup. They have been switching McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, you know, 
one night it's like they're together, the next night they're apart. I think they'll probably keep them apart for the Senators. And to me, when they do that, I, I really like Leon Dreisaitl and, and, and pairing him with one of his wingers. Specifically, I think it's a good spot for Kyler Yamamoto to get back on track. It's a thinner Senator squad. They're going to be all over the McDavid line. That's going to be their main target. They don't really have the, the depth or, or any kind of, you know, defensive, uh, you know, just depth really up front to, to deal with two scoring lines. And, and I think that's going to open things up for a guy like Yamamoto and Dreisaitl. So, you know, watch the price difference between McDavid and Dreisaitl this week. If it gets to be, like, close to 1,000 or even if it's just, like, you know, six or 700, it's probably going to be a good buy opportunity on Leon. How about on the back end for the Oilers? Uh, Tyson Berry, Darnell Nurse, any preference there when you go look at these games against the Sens? Yeah, it, it's probably more of a Barry spot. Um, you know, Darnell Nurse has, has kind of been the better player, quite frankly, over the last little bit. But, you know, with, with the Senators and their defense, it just realistically, they just can't keep up with the Oilers' speed. It's just a terrible matchup for them. And it just leads to, uh, at least in my opinion, a, a better matchup for Tyson Barry. Barry's more of the... You rely on Barry more for the points. You know, Nurse is out there getting blocked shots. He's playing heavier minutes. He's doing it all. But Barry is the guy who really has, like, the three-point upside. And, and that, that comes more to fruition against the weaker teams. We've seen what the Oilers have done against the Sens all year. To me, it's more of a Tyson-Barry spot. Now, are there any one, like, when the Edmonton Oilers play, you know, maybe you think are just a little bit too expensive, guys you might want to stay away from? Yeah, so Ryan Nugent Hopkins has kind of been in, in like a no man's land almost all year for me. Um, you know, he becomes more interesting against the Senators. If you're going to pay up for Nugent Hopkins and like, you know, he's back on the wing with McDavid, it's probably going to be in a spot against like the Senators where, you know, Nugent is going to have a little bit more room. It's just an easier matchup. And if McDavid goes off, Nugent Hopkins is also probably going to go off, right? Like if McDavid comes up with a four point night, good chance. Uh, Nuge is going to be in on possibly three of those. So it's it's the kind of matchup you want to play him. But uh, realistically, like, you look at his price. Unfortunately for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, his price on DraftKings kind of gets bumped up because he's playing alongside these two stud centers. If he was on a weaker team or just not playing alongside such good players, he'd probably be more in the 5K range. But we don't necessarily ever get good value on Ryan Nugent Hopkins because of who he's playing with. So He's almost always, I don't want to say he's always a stay away from me, but um, once you're paid up for McDavid, I'm generally looking to pair him with a cheaper winger like Kupiarve or Yamamoto, someone like that. And the same story for, for Dreisaitl. So it is uh, Nugent Hopkins, like I said, he's kind of just in the, the fantasy, daily fantasy no man's land for me on DraftKings. But, you know, this is the spot with the Senators where if you're going to like pay up for all the Oilers and hope for that kind of like 7-3 game, and we've seen it numerous times, this would be it. So, Nuge has kind of been like a stay away from me against many opponents. You know, you might want to think about playing them though against the Senators. Now, I do read your work at DraftKings Nation and, you know, talking to you, I've started to pick up some of the lingo. So how about when it comes to top line stacks this week? Anyone stand out for you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I think a team that, that you can keep targeting here is, is probably the Rangers. Um, you know, Mika's a Ginnabad. He just had a terrible start to the season. I mean, this is a guy who scored like over 40 goals in like less than 60 games last year. And, um, I, you know, he, he had like two goals in the first 20 games. Like it was ridiculous how, just how unlucky he was getting as well. But, you know, the puck luck wasn't there, whatever you want to call it. Um, the Rangers offense, though, over the last, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, are, uh, Panarin is back in the lineup. They're, they're getting some depth in there. They're getting guys like, uh, you know, Kako uh, getting a little bit of production as well, getting more production in the back end. It just looks more like we saw at the end of last year from the Rangers. And you had some massive fantasy nights coming from those teams. So 
I really like staying on them uh, for, for a top-line sack, specifically the Zibanejad's line. Uh, I, I feel like he's just going to be due uh, for, to keep having a, a top end of the season. You know, obviously uh, playing alongside, uh, you know, Chris Kreider, uh, Buknevic uh, is typically his wingers, but you can also pair him with, uh, with Adam Fox for a nice power play sack. Their power play has been seeing some positive regression as well. So uh, the Rangers definitely kind of at the top of my list there. Now, how about uh, just single players around the league you like this week with their matchups and, you know, how they're playing as of late? Yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, again, I, I mentioned Mika, obviously. Um, I, still really targeting, you know, the, the value guys on Dallas. Like Jason Robertson having such a good, uh, a good rookie campaign. I, I don't think you necessarily need to go off him. He is um, he's getting a little bit more expensive on DraftKings, so just something to think about there. You know, you don't necessarily need to overpay for them. The Stars are are still sort of, uh, you know, what you call, uh, I guess, a mediocre team as well. Um, one guy I do have kind of my eye on here is, is Vincent Trocek. I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes typically been, um, you know, rolling out three balanced lines, but Trocek has, has kind of been taking like a, a little bit more of the alpha role, I guess you could say. You know, he, he's averaging over a point per game over his last five or six games. Um, you know, playing alongside uh, Shnetsikov, um, it, it's, it's been a bit of a, it's a bit of a, I guess a bit of a power shift, you know, from, from Sebastian Ajo, who is typically just in that role for them. Uh, Trocek is, is, you know, a pretty talented scorer as well. They have a really good penalty kill or power play, excuse me, there as well. He's, he's getting up there in price, but he's been very consistent. And, you know, if the Canes get a few weaker matchups, that's definitely a player I, uh, I would not hesitate to target. But, uh, you know, lastly, I, I do think the Bruins here uh, are going to be due for a pop. They, they, they started to pop a little bit. Brad Marchand, uh, you know, three goals or four goals, excuse me, his last three games. Their offenses went through a really bad dry spell, but this, this top line seems to be getting it going, and uh, I, I would not hesitate to target the Bruins this week because um, that line, it's expensive for daily fantasy, but it, if it scores, I mean, it typically, it just breaks the slate, you know, when Pasternak gets involved as well and, and, and Bergeron. So uh, I would really keep an eye on the Bruins, and that's a team that, you know, they have the Flyers, it looks like, for at least one game this week. It's a terrific matchup. Uh, that would be kind of my payoff target uh, to keep an eye on. Now, how about goaltenders? Anyone that stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, goalie is, is such a kind of a week-to-week position. Uh, you, you really want to keep an eye on, on, on what teams are doing. You know, Arizona's been interesting. Aiden Hill's playing pretty well uh, for them, kind of just in like a third-stringer role. He's kind of picked things up. Uh, I think the real interesting thing, I mean, go back to Carolina. I mean, Peter Mazurk threw, threw up a shutout in his first game back. I mean, 28 saves. Can he keep it going? He, he was in really, really good form before he got hurt, too. So, um, you know, I, I don't really have any qualms, uh, you know, paying up for him. Carolina's obviously a really good team. Uh, a couple other goalies to keep an eye on. Uh, Nashville's been terrible all year, and, and, and a lot of it has stemmed from their goalie. But UC Saros is he's been flying lately. Um, and, and, look, I mean, people might continue to discount him or, or just not play him, but this was the guy who they, we all kind of pegged to be their starter at the start of the year. He was terrible, and, and they had to play Rene more. But, you know, Saros is back uh, looking like he's in great form. Uh, the Predators still allow, you know, like uh, quite a few shots on goal. So another goalie who's really picked it up of late, and uh, I would not hesitate to target as well. And I'll give you one more. Cal Peterson has played pretty well for the Kings. They're typically going off. You can get Peterson a little bit cheaper, which is why I want to bring him up. He, he makes for a good GPP play if uh, you can get him, like, well under AK. Now, I do have to ask you this. Your NHL info is great, but I know you're a big golf guy as well. You've got the Masters coming up on the weekend. Can you explain to me DraftKings golf and maybe some uh the favorite and the dark horses you like, who you think are good additions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, DraftKings golf is really simple. You're, you're picking six guys. you got to stay inside the salary limit. 
Um, you know, everyone's obviously assigned a salary, and, and you know, you, your goal is obviously to just get the most points from your team. Now, with golf, you got to take into account your guy's got to make the cut. If your guy doesn't make the cut, he's only playing two rounds, and, and it really kind of sinks your lineup. So that's the first thing about it. But, you know, generally you're making uh, – you want the guys to make a lot of birdies. You want the guys that are going to finish high, and that's how you get points. You lose a few points for, for bogeys as well, but if your guy makes more birdies than bogeys, you're good. So that's the gist of it. Um, you know, the Masters is such a deep field. It, it's a fun event. Um, you know, you can make lineups. you got a lot of flexibility with the salaries and stuff. From the top, I do like Bryson DeChambeau this week. Uh, I, I really think that he's come in with just a, a superb first four months. I think he's got a better mentality here uh, than he did last November. Uh, you know, going down, I, I think a guy who's, is going to be really interesting. Everybody is talking about Jordan Spieth, but, but Brooks Kepka at 9,200. Uh, he, he's coming back. He, by all reports, he's healthy. He's going to be playing this week. Um, could just be a bit of a sneaky pick up there as well. So those are the two guys from the top. Um, you know, for, from a little bit lower down, uh, if, if you want a guy under 7K to think about, Siwoo Kim from South Korea, been playing really well too. He'd be kind of my, uh, you know, lower own pick that's going to give you uh, some salary flexibility. Excellent stuff. And uh, yeah, I was just reading through your, in, uh, your article at DraftKings Nation, the cheat sheet for the Masters. I highly recommend it for those of you who want to get out there and get a little info. And of course, if you haven't signed up, when you do so, THPN, that's the code word you got to use. Jeffrey, thanks so much for doing this again. Appreciate it as always. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Excellent stuff from Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. Make sure you give him a follow as well on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. And uh, I'm looking forward to the Masters. I'm, I'm taking the advice he gives me. I'm jotting it down. I'm going to DraftKingsNation.com, reading. I might throw a couple bucks down and see how I do. And, of course, I always take his information on the NHL. He seems to always have a knack for getting it right. So, like I said, check out his work at DraftKings Nation. And the Edmonton Oilers off on Tuesday. They're back in action Wednesday and Thursday, taking on the Ottawa Senators. Last place in the NHL's North Division right now, but that does not mean you can take them lightly. They've beat some good teams but they have yet to beat the Edmonton Oilers. Let's talk about them with Ross Levitan of TSN 1050. He is also the host of Locked On Senators, the podcast. Give him a follow on Twitter at Ross Levitan. Ross, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Really appreciate you having me on. And, uh, man, if you're a Sens fan, you're not too fired up to be going back to Edmonton for the next couple of games. 0-7 so far this season, but... Uh, no, it's great to it's great to preview the game with you. Yeah, we're, we'll talk about the uh, lack of success that the Sens have had against the Oilers. Uh, obviously, against other teams, they've they've actually looked pretty good. But uh, let's talk into it right now. They are thirteen twenty one and four going into Monday night's game uh, as we tape this uh, last in the North, which might not be overly surprising to a lot of people. But I mean, if I was to go back in January and tell you that record and tell you about some of the wins that they had, you'd be pretty happy with it, wouldn't you? There was a stretch there. They came back from down 5-1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Would have been better if there was fans there being in Toronto that game. But then later that week, Claude Julien is fired after back-to-back losses. So that in itself has manifested the fans into becoming this send sickos where you cheer <laughs> on the, um, the pain of others because of the sends. And I'm sure you can sympathize as an Oilers fan over the years that the team hasn't had as much success, so we're almost celebrating the failures of our rivals rather than uh, our own wins right now. But they're, they're coming. It's a really young core in Ottawa, so the whole thing this year wasn't so much about wins, but how these kids are going to grow into the next generation of uh, veterans. So I had uh, Michaela Schreiter on the show 
three weeks ago when the teams met uh, last time around, and she kind of explained the Sen Sickos. Is that still going on? Yeah, I mean, like any meme, there's a shelf life, but that's basically the the story behind the story is that, you know, there hasn't been much going right for the Sens, so they had San Jose's first-round pick last year. We were cheering for any game that would push San Jose down to give us two picks, which ultimately ended up being in the top five. So just that mentality is the Sens sicko mentality, but it's pretty funny. The team hopped on board. They've got cardboard cutouts behind uh, the penalty box of all places. So that's been fun, but it, it sort of ran its course. I'll say that as well. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I love the cutouts. I love the fans having some fun with it. And like, like you said, I, I grew up in Edmonton. I've, I've worked in the, the radio industry here for over a decade. I've seen the, the, the few highs and a lot of the lows. And anytime you can have a little bit of fun with it to make it just a little bit easier, you got to do it. you got to take it all in. So I, I loved it from out here. Sens fans are used to it, too. We had the Hamburglar run, you'll remember, six years ago. Fans are throwing uh, rap McDoubles onto the ice after wins the whole nine. So, no, it's just fun. Anytime you can uh, have that sense of community, especially when fans, unfortunately, aren't able to be in the building, it's, uh, it's special. So it's been a fun subplot of this season for the Senators. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I remember uh, Oil Kings legend Curtis Lazar picking up the burger and taking a yeah, bite sure. uh, back here. We're like, come on. Don't do that, man. But anyways, anyways, let's talk about Imagine this. Imagine that was now, with the climate of uh, everything going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You would not be doing that now. Even back then, we kind of thought it might be a little risky, but, uh, I mean, Curtis Lazar, an absolute beauty. Maybe not a huge surprise. So what you've seen from the team so far this year, uh, are there flashes that be- that make you believe this team is trending in the right direction? Yeah, there's flashes, and not only from watching the Sens, but everyone adopted the Nodak Sens. Uh, we're going to see a couple of them infused in the lineup after the number one seed was bounced early in the college tournament. They've got their fifth overall pick staying there, but a lot of fans have been really excited. Of course, the youth that's here, and we'll, I'll get into that too, but Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker were huge pieces. Shane Pinto won just about any, every award you can win with the Hobie Baker. Maybe on deck, it's probably Cole Coffee. I'm getting way off right now, but point being, there's more to come, and the first wave will end with those guys because their top five scores are all 24 and under. If you look at four of them outside of Shabbat are 21 and younger. Brady Kachuk, next captain, no doubt, in my opinion. He's still he's in his third year, but he's leading the charge here, and they're, they're getting there, but there are certainly growing pains. Drake Batherson had a seven-game goal streak earlier this year, but he hasn't scored since, so now that's seven games without a goal for him. Tim Stutz has one goal in his last 19 games, so fans are going to hope the friendly confines of Rexall um, are going to, or Rogers Place, sorry, <laughs> I turned back the clock there, um, but obviously had the success there at the World Junior, scored a couple goals the first time Ottawa went west, so you're hoping that sparks him because you're in the rigors of a, not only a rookie season, but a condensed one at that, so it's a lot of hockey for these kids, and um, they're starting to learn the, the hard way about how, how constant pro hockey is day in, day out. So from your perspective, uh, why have the Sens had the lack of success against the Oilers, and is it just as simple as McDavid and Dreisaitl? Probably. There's not really a, a matchup that DJ Smith would like. They've tried to kind of load up the checking line per se, putting uh, Nick Paul at times with um, with the Connor Brown, and those are kind of your lockdown wingers. But nobody, nobody on the back end really can can stop those guys or skate with them. A lot of inexperience. That's that's where Ottawa's rebuild is the furthest back. 
is their their decor. There's a lot of guys who are skating in quicksand at, at times. Like right now, watching the on Monday night's game, third pair and they're getting a regular shifts is Braden Coburn and Josh Brown. Just uh, they went big and rugged on the back end, but with that, they lost foot speed. So when you have a fast team like Edmonton, especially 97, he, he can kind of skate at will through the neutral zone, and that's where he creates all of his offensive energy. That's, it's tough to watch against Edmonton, man. But, yeah, it, you can chalk it up to the Stars, but Toronto has the Stars, right? Matthews and Marner, but Ottawa has a winning record against them. So I don't know if it's just that, but maybe the style, too, the, the speed through the neutral zone is a big thing that's having trouble against the Sens this year. Yeah, I mean, the last time we saw these two teams play, McDavid and Dreisaitl were playing on the same line. It didn't last too much longer after the Sens series. But right now, you know, and assuming it stays the way it did against Montreal, they have separated McDavid and Dreisaitl. So in Ottawa, home ice advantage, you've got the last change. What do you think the game plan is going to be when you have those guys coming out back-to-back? Yeah, uh, it's kind of different, right, being pushed up to Thursday now. Uh, I think for Ottawa, it's so much about the growth of their own game. You can't you can't be worrying about anything the other team's doing. So Ottawa needs to start quick. A lot a lot of times on the road, and especially that's why they've had this tough record against Vancouver. Most of their games have been out west, and it's just they're, they're letting the other team dictate the game by getting out to an early lead. So the the key to a victory. It sounds so simple, but is the first five minutes and just focusing on what they have to do. Simple game chipping in pots when they get out. And the main part is getting out of their own zone. They've had a lot of trouble doing that too. So making a smart, quick pass and, and just chipping it out, really getting back to basics where uh, they've gotten away from that at times, especially when they're chasing games. So, yeah, if they can keep it simple, that's their best chance of winning. But really you're just looking for these individual flashes from uh, from the young kids if you're a Sens fan right now. Ross, this one might be tough to answer, but it's been about three weeks since these two teams met. Uh, have you seen any strides from the Sens in the last couple of weeks here? Uh, you mean you mentioned the wins against Toronto, Calgary. We've seen those sort of things, but is there anything uh, that Oilers fans might see from this team? Like, oh, that's gotten better. Yeah, goaltending. <laughs> um, I remember, especially the second game, it was what two goals in the first three shots and five-one in the first period. If I'm not mistaken, like they, they're starting to get saves now. Uh, it's kind of tough to to single out, but since Matt Murray got hurt Ottawa's 4-1-3 and three going into Monday night. So they've been getting it from unlikely sources. First it was Joey Decord. He came in. We've been really high on him. He's been a guest uh, on Locked On Senators. So we're always cheering for him. He gets his first NHL win against the Leafs and then injured. So now they're on to Anton Wavers. Uh, Anton Wavers, he may as well be. He was on the Oilers earlier this year. Anton Forsberg, I meant to say. Um, who's been in Carolina, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and now Ottawa. Still rocking the Jets gear, but you'll see him in one of the games. He's been exceptional. Philip Gustafson's the other guy, but that's just it. When both, Hockey's a pretty easy game when it comes down to, right? You get a save, you're more likely to win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Anton Wavers would actually be a fitting name. I mean, the guy's yeah, kind of just been everywhere this Rolled year. Off the tongue. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. Uh, how about a surprising player this year for you? Anyone that's kind of, you know, came to the camp you were a little bit unsure about and has kind of flourished with their role so far? Yeah, he started it last year, but it's clearly Nick Paul. He was wearing a letter. Erica Branson was a healthy scratch, so Nick Paul wore an A for the first time in his career. But this is a guy who's earned it. He played for Ottawa's 
farm team before they even moved to Belleville. So he's one of the he's the only guy left who, who was a Binghamton senator, but it just shows he worked his way up from uh, just a prospect and one where fans really kept their eye on him because he was a piece in the Jason Spezza trade back in 2014. So he was a kid there. He won the World Junior Gold Medal on that stacked 2015 team in Toronto, and it's been a slow and steady grind, but now he's a reliable two-way player, shifted over. He, he didn't quite have the foot speed to make it at center, but he's a perfect power winger who, can, who has an unreal shot, and he needs to use it a little bit more. He can get caught just trying to stay on the right side of the puck. You want to see him kind of force the play to the middle a bit more, but he is a heck of a player. He's really made strides. So number 13, Nick Paul, is certainly a guy to watch. And you might you might raise your eyebrow and be like, oh, he looks like a real good player. Well, he's becoming one. That's oh, good to see. Uh, just a couple more for you, Ross. Really appreciate you doing this, hopping on the podcast here tonight. Uh, Brady Kachuk, you mentioned him, potentially future captain of the team. What, like... You know, we see Matthew Kachuk out west a lot. Everyone hates him. I assume it's the same sort of vibe from what we've seen. Uh, kind of got into it a little bit uh, the last time these two teams met. But he, he's just got to be that ultimate team guy. And if you're a Sens fan, is he the number one fan favorite right now? Oh, he's no doubt take it to the bank fan favorite. A lot of people like Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris is gaining a lot of love, Thomas Shabbat, Artem Zub is becoming a fan favorite as well, but Brady Kachuk is just on a whole other level. He's the emotional heartbeat of this team, and it's just such a shame they couldn't keep Mark Stone as his line mate when he was a rookie, and those two had unreal chemistry, but you're seeing a lot of those traits that Mark Stone possesses in Brady Kachuk, the battle level on defense. I don't think him and Matthew are in the same stratosphere. They're, they're different players. Like Matthew's a little more of a pest, like Brady, you can get under his skin and against Winnipeg as, as we're recording this. He's taken two pretty bad penalties, retaliatory penalties. And you'll get that from Brady, but what he brings on the other side of it is so exceptional. You can talk about him off the ice all you want. He's just such a mature leader. But on the ice, I mentioned his emotional heartbeat. He backs it up. He's fighting Shea Weber. He's fought Blake Wheeler, P.K. Subban, and he's 21 years old. So this guy, you just think of what he could be in five or six years. He's your power forward, basically a clone of his dad. He really is. And when you say that about a guy whose who dad scored 538 goals in his career, you can just uh, start to salivate at what could be to come. For the next captain of the Ottawa Senators, I'll say Brady Kachuk. <laughs> oh, a 20-goal score in his first two years. Uh, I'm sure those numbers only going to go up. Have you noticed that when he's out there, he tends to make these rivalries just a little bit better? Like for us, Matthew Kachuk, a lot of people hate him, but when I watch him, like he single-handedly made the Battle of Alberta fun again. He and Zach Cassian with the, the stuff that they do. Does Brady Kachuk do that against the Leafs, the Canadians, etc.? Well, the Habs even more so because they passed on him in the draft. Like he went fourth overall. The Habs took Kotkaniemi at number three. So that always gets a lot of traction when you remind them about that. And Brady knows it more than anybody. In the first ever rookie tournament game after he was drafted, he stole the puck from Kotkaniemi in the corner, went out, jammed it in front, scored, and then looked at Kotkaniemi and just full full scream, Sally in his face. So that's just what he brings. He knows who went and picked in front of him, and he makes sure to remind. He's got two OT game winners against Carey Price in overtime. So just that, you know, he, he steps his game up when he's playing, not only in the physicality like you mentioned with Matthew, but he uh, 
And he could be the first player in NHL history to lead the league in goals, or sorry, in shots on goal and in hits. He would have been the first player in NHL history to get to 300 in each in a season had last season gone the distance. But to me, that's just a sign of a complete player. And then you add on that he's top three in the NHL in drawing penalties. It means, yeah, he might put you shorthanded when he gets emotional, but he's also drawing them with his... uh, with his determination out there, too. Oh, I love it. I mean, anytime the Sens are on TV, for me, it's must-watch, mainly because of him. I know you guys got some nice young talent around there, but that guy brings the entertainment value up a whole yeah. bunch. <laughs> uh, Ross, thanks so much. guys who's uh, worth the price of admission, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you have a couple of them in Edmonton, though, as well. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a few guys that are, are pretty fun to watch. I mean, they don't quite have that element to their game, and I don't know if they ever will. Maybe you see the flash. Of course, uh, Connor McDavid took that shot on Captain Yemi. Maybe a Brady Kachuk thanked him after that one. But, uh, yeah, the, certainly the NHL is in good hands. There's a lot of young superstars in Canada, and uh, we're lucky to watch them as much as we get to right now. Ross, thanks a lot for doing this today. Really appreciate it, and we will uh, have to get you on again down the road here. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to talking to you again. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Ross Levitan of TSN 1050 and the Locked On Senators podcast. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Ross Levitan. And those Ottawa Senators, I mean, right now they're kind of that harmless little brother. Like, yeah, they they might get you once or twice, but the majority of times you're going to pick up the win. It's not going to be like that for much longer. I mean, they've got a really nice young core. Brady Kachuk, uh, as much as he's family's lineage is maybe hated in Edmonton. I think he's a fun player to watch. I love watching the Senators play. He's not the only one. Uh, Stutzlov, of course, uh, Shabbat. They got a lot of nice young talent there in Ottawa, and uh, I think there's some bright things coming for them down the road. Really appreciate Ross hopping on the podcast to give us a preview as the Oilers take on the Sens Wednesday, 3 o'clock start, Thursday, 5 o'clock start. If you are in the Mountain Time Zone, and if you are and you want to listen to some pregame coverage, tune into TSN 1260. Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself have you covered Wednesday at 2 p.m. and then Thursday at 4 p.m. TSN 1260, or listen online if you're out of the city. And that is going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast. Big thank you to our sponsors, the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. A reminder, when you sign up at DraftKings, make sure you use the promo code THPN. And that's going to do it for us here on the show. On Friday's edition, we will recap the back-to-back against the Ottawa Senators and preview Saturday's game against the Calgary Flames. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Really do appreciate it. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley and head to our new Facebook page, The Other Connor Podcast. There right now we've got a contest going on where you can win a free night of climbing at Vertically Inclined. It's very simple. Just go to the page, scroll down until you see the post, and take someone you'd like to take out for a night of climbing. Could be a friend, could be a partner, could be a parent, could be a child, whoever you'd like to take. Just take them and you will be entered. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you on Friday's edition of the show. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.